This is ESPN New York Tonight with Larry Hardesty and Gordon Damer on 98.7 ESPN. Well, what do you know? The Knicks blew a lead late, and I'm feeling really, really good. I'll tell you why next. That's the number to join our conversation on this Tuesday edition of ESPN New York Tonight. At Hardesty ESPN, at Gordon Damer, at ESPN NY, 98 underscore 7 FM. That's how you reach us via Twitter. Along with Jay Peasy and Jake the Snake, we're here until midnight. Then it's Freddie and Fitz on 98.7 ESPN in New York. Hello, Mr. Damer. Larry, how we feeling tonight? Oh, we feel great. Really? Okay. Oh, absolutely. I like to hear it. Absolutely. Oh, Gordon, aside from the fact that it's day two of Region 2 of the March movie Mayhem that we, we will reveal at the top of the hour, aside from that, which I'm always happy about, Jacob DeGrom started tonight, Gordon. Mm-hmm. Gave me two innings, struck out five of the six batters he faced. Did not throw over 100. I'm good. There you go. I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. I'm really, I feel great. He's pacing himself this year. Thank you. And and thank you, Buck Showalter, for not sending him out there for a third inning, even though he probably wanted to do it. Yeah, well, I mean, I don't know that that is what uh, spelled doom last year for the year that uh, Jacob DeGrom had, but uh, no need to push things too early, right? We no. Even with the shortened spring training, Mm-mm. let's it's a, it's, a, it's a marathon, not a sprint, and especially for a guy who pitched so infrequently last year. I mean, it was like any time he started, it was like oh, he's going to miss the next start. He's going to miss a couple of starts. He missed a bunch <laughs> right. of time, did not throw a lot of innings last year, did not throw a lot of pitches, even in individual starts. So, yeah. Yeah, cautious is the best approach. No question. And what I really liked was uh, Gordon B. The slider was sliding. The off-speed stuff, they, they, the whiff, they were swinging and missing, swinging and missing. His slider is in midseason form. Fastball a little high, but listen, I don't care. The big thing for me now if, to complete my happiness will be tomorrow morning when he wakes up, no symptoms, no aches, no pains. And I'm happy. I'm good. I'll be good. I'll be good. I'll be even better than what I am now. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's going to be something you're going to keep your eye on all spring. You're Absolutely. probably going to keep your eye on it. I don't know where the point is. Maybe there is no definitive point where you'll just kind of relax after what last year was. But I think it's going to take a little while into the regular season before you start to feel like, okay, last year was the aberration. Whatever it was is gone because it could always just be kind of hiding, right? Mm-hmm. We didn't really get a resolution to what went on last year. It was just, oh, he's going to rest and take the milk out of the fridge tomorrow and hope it's fresh, and at least so far it's fresh. So that's good news. Yeah, absolutely. And, of course, the Mets won today. But once again, I don't care about winning or losing. I want no. to make sure my pitchers are in good shape and, uh, you know, timely hitting and whatnot, you know, who's hitting, who's not hitting, stuff like that. So that's what I'm looking for. So from that standpoint, okay, I'm – Feeling in a very good, very good mood because my guy pissed well. Uh, Yankees lost today 9-2. Uh, no big deal. You know, listen, <laughs> who cares? It, once again, it's about who's pitching, how did they pitch, so on and so forth, because you're really trying to get a rotation set and, and try to see just what you've got going and who's going who's gonna to fit where in these pieces uh, because we, we know we're all totally just – almost depressed at what the Yankees have done from the offensive standpoint. And you know, it's funny listening to Michael. It's just, the, it's the same old thing every day. Gordon is frustrated. Yankee fans are calling him 
just like what's going on here. They didn't do anything to improve the team. It may not be. It, it's not a bad team, but it's not a championship team. And I think, and, and you can attest to it. You'll correct me if I'm wrong. If you're a Yankee fan, championship team means it's not a good team. If it's not a championship team, it's not a good team. No, and it, it, it shouldn't really be a surprise to anyone on the Yankees' side that fans are not happy because if anybody, if the Yankees had come out back in November and said, when the season opens up next year, this is the way the team is going to look. We're not going to be in on any big free agents. We're going to bring back Rizzo. We're going to make a trade and bring in Josh Donaldson. Nobody would have been happy then. So the mm-hmm. fact that you found this out now, of course, fans are going to be upset because they expect a very high level from the Yankees. They expect them to be going out and at least shopping. It's one thing when the, there's a frustration when you're shopping in the, in the premium aisle and you don't get the premium product. By listening to Michael K. yesterday, the Yankees weren't even shopping in the premium aisle. Didn't even look. Didn't even didn't, look. Didn't Had even no interest. Nah. <laughs> That's got to be demoralizing. I'm telling you, from me as a Met fan, that was my life under the wheel pond. Max Scherzer would have, we wouldn't even have been talking about Max Scherzer possibly coming to the to the Mets with the wheel pond here. That wouldn't have been, no. we would have said, you know what? Well, we only have to worry about that because he's not coming here because they're not spending the money for it. And not to say that they didn't spend, they didn't spend any money. They did spend money. But Gordon, it was, it was like, they didn't spend it wisely when they did spend it. And so it made them, because of the mistakes they made when they spent money, it made them you know, hold on to the wallet so much that when they opened them, you know, birds were flying out. Yeah. Well, look, here's the thing for Brian Cashman. and He doesn't have to worry about what the fans say or, or do or anything like that because at the end of the day, we're going to play the games. And based on how the games go, then we will have our answer, right? If the Yankees go out there and a far better team than I think a lot of us expect them to be, Brian Cashman will say, hey, see, I told you so. But that has not been the case. Generally, the Yankees' way of seeing and doing things here the last few years has not turned out right. Uh, and, 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 the, and the list of things that, that fans and, and some of the media have, have pointed out have been right the whole time. So uh, there's a reason why I think people are skeptical whether or not these moves are the moves that are going to put this team over the top. And and if it doesn't put him over the top, the only person really to blame here, I mean, you can blame Hal to a certain degree because it doesn't seem like he has the desire to win that you want in this situation. But if there's mm-hmm. one person primarily to blame, it's Brian Cashman. He's, he's oh, the guy who absolutely. is every single guy on this roster is here because of Brian Cashman. It is the same thing as saying, I gave the kids some money to go to the store. And what they brought back was brutal. To the point that I'm not giving them any more money <laughs> to bring it. They can't go to the store anymore without my supervision. And that's almost like the way it is with, with Hal Steinbrenner and Brian Cashman, right? It's like, listen, I gave you money to spend, and this is what you brought back. I'm not giving you more money to try to get better with what you have. You're going to have to work with what you've got, maneuver, get through it, find a way to get better within the constraints of this constraints of this budget I'm giving I'm giving you, and and then let me see what you can do with it. I'm not giving you another dime. <laughs> yeah, uh, it does seem that way. And it's, it's frustrating because uh, not that I've gone to the stadium here the last couple of years, but when you go to the stadium, there's no discounts there. there there's mm-hmm. no buy one, get one freeze. There's no Groupons for 50% off the sandwiches or anything like that. Uh, you're, you're paying full price. The, the, the parking's high. Every, everything, everything is 
And, and you go there with an expectation. And that's, I think, one of the reasons why Yankee fans, and maybe it, it's true of all fans because the prices of going to games everywhere is expensive. Mm-hmm. But you, when you do that, there's an expectation of, you know, if you, you, if you spend that type of money on a Broadway show, you expect it to be the best Broadway show. If you, if you spend it on, you know, a concert, you expect to have great seats and see a great show. And the Yankees have been a good show the last few years, but the expectation is to finally win a championship, and it does not feel like this team is moving in that direction. This is not exactly the lineup of A-Rod and Sheffield no. and Jeter no. and, you know, guys, no. you know, very, very talented offensive players at every position where you can't move out your seat because at any time the ball could be flying out of the ballpark. This is not what this is, and this has not been that way for a while. And so it's a concern. And, you know, tonight, uh, this afternoon, rather, Jordan Montgomery got the start. Gordon, not really. Uh, look, everybody's got something to work on. So even if, if it's a lot of runs, you don't get, you don't get concerned. It's early. But uh, three runs on six hits, a strikeout, a walk uh, in one inning. So, you know, he, uh, you know, didn't have his best stuff today. But now we look at this and then we see how he does his next start. And then you make the comparison and, you know, pitchers work on different things in, in spring training. So even though it's a shortened spring training, they still work on different pitches and things that they're trying to improve on. So you can't get alarmed, uh, you know, to, to the point that uh, you're like, oh, God, George Montgomery, what, is he going to be like this all year? Yeah. And, uh, you know, just to, to, to go back to this time last year, right, mm-hmm. the Yankees made a lot of puzzling moves last year that I don't know a lot of people were, were necessarily in favor, you know, bringing in Tyone, bringing in uh, Kluber. You know, the, the expectation was Corey Kluber is going to be hurt at some point. And look at that. Sure enough, Corey Kluber got hurt. Um, just a lot of the moves. And, and it would be one thing if it was one off season. Where you're like, ah, they, they didn't really nail it this offseason, but they'll have some moves uh, still to come during the season. I, I guess the Yankees will have some moves to come during the regular season, but this is not the offseason that you're coming off and you're like, okay, they understand where they're at and they realize the window of opportunity is right now. Uh, it doesn't feel like these are these kind of moves. No, it really doesn't. It really doesn't. And I got to say, Gordon, going back to the Mets for a second, very happy that uh, one-year deal for Pete Alonso, $7.4 million, voids arbitration, we're good. I got to say this, it, 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 Astros look a little different without, um, you know, Carlos in that lineup. They look a yeah. little different. They look a yeah. little different. They really do. I mean, he was the kind of the – I mean, I guess Altuve is kind of the face of the yeah. team, but he yeah. was – I mean, he was right there. He was the former number one pick. He he was uh he was a one of the guys that makes that engine go, and and they're very good at the business of baseball. So, uh, I'm interested to see on how they are able to make up the loss of his production. But it's kind of crazy to me that it seems like one of the reasons that the Yankees were not in on any of the shortstops was that they didn't want to they didn't want to give any long term deals. But then when you look at the deal they did make, Donaldson's on the hook for two years. Mm-hmm. And Correa, even at, at best case scenario for the Twins, he's only on the hook for three years. Mm-hmm. There's not that mm-hmm. much of a difference. And I, I would bet if, if most people were betting, who do you think is going to stay in their place? You know, whose contract is going to end up being longer? Correa uh, with the one he signed with the Twins with the opt outs, or Donaldson's, who we know is at two years. I think probably most people would say Donaldson's deal will be longer. Yeah, I agree. And the thing with Correa, even if you signed it for two years and you got the kid coming up in the minors, okay, listen, um, the pressure, who, who's to say that when he comes up, he's going to be great? 
I mean, it's a lot of pressure on this kid. What you're saying is there's there's in this offseason where you had three or four of the top shortstops in the game available, and you don't take any of them because you're saving a spot for, for Volpe? Gordon, that's a lot of pressure on somebody. That's a lot of pressure. Yeah, and, and really, we, we I think we talked about it last night. When was the last time the Yankees bought up a prospect who you kind of thought was going to be, who the team thought was going to be a real piece and and the guy delivered and stayed as that kind of player? Yeah, it's been it, a while. It, it, and Duhar looked like that player for a little while, has not looked like mm-hmm. that player since. Glaber looked like that player for a couple of years. You're hoping he's going to get back to being that kind of player. Clint Frazier at times looked like that kind of player, didn't turn out to be the case. Sanchez seemed like he was going to be that kind of player. Did Greg Bird seem like he might be that kind yeah. of player? Was not. I mean, there's been a, the, the long list of, of Yankee prospects who big expectations were put on their, uh, on their resumes. Oh, this guy's going to be this, this guy's going to be that, and did not, did not cash in. That list is growing longer and longer, my man. It is. It is. And uh, so is the frustration of Yankee fans going longer and longer. 1-800-919-3776. You know, before us uh, on 1050 – Don LeGrec is probably voiceless, having, what, 11 goals he had to call tonight in the Rangers 7-4 loss to the Devils. So, you know, it's a tough night for them, tough night for the Devils. Uh, Gordon, so Julius Randle didn't play tonight for the Knicks. Did you yeah. notice the difference? Well, they did They, they did uh, fall apart in the fourth quarter again. So, no, I didn't notice no. the difference. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, to me, I got to be honest with you. I think tonight was the the ideal. Tonight was a win win. Yes, uh, RJ scored thirty points and the Knicks lost. That's exactly what I want from every game the rest of the way. Uh, there's nothing. There's nothing to be gained by winning nope. games. Nope. Nope. As a matter of fact, I was happy. I saw McBride on the floor in meaningful right. minutes. Uh, Obi Toppin got the start. Played 24, 20, 24 minutes. Um, I feel bad. I feel bad. For, Ty, for for Gibson. I feel bad for Gibson. He is all over the country right now, falling down on the crossover from Trinidad. I feel bad for him. I really do. <laughs> well, he is he's all, thing, he's thing, I mean, he's had a good, country. long career, and uh, these things all sometimes over, happen. All over the country. I feel so bad for him. Very disappointed, Gordon, to hear that John Morant is not going to play against the Nets tomorrow night because of a sore knee. Kind of looking forward to him and Kyrie Irving going at it back and forth. Yes, it's not very often you get uh, the one part of that equation, so to lose the other part of the equation, it's a little frustrating. It is, it is. I'm a little disappointed in that. Let's go to the phones. Tony's in the Bronx. Tony starts us off on ESPN New York tonight. Hey, guys, thank you for taking my call. So, you know, I've been obviously paying attention to everything that the Yankees are doing, and, and I'm trying to trying to be optimistic and, and, and trying to look at the moves that they've been making or actually not been making, you know, objectively. And one of the things that, you know, I haven't heard too many people bring up is the fact that, you know, obviously that career contract is, seems to be relatively modest and attractive. And But does anybody think that, that contract, that same contract would have been available to the Yankees. People always tend to forget about that Yankee tax and, and things with the Yankees always end up costing us more. So I don't know if that same number, the same terms would have been available to the Yankees. That's number one. And and I, I really need to kind of get an idea of, of what the track is for, um, for, uh, for Volpe because 
I got an opportunity to go see him at play with the Hudson Valley Renegades, which, as you know, is a high A ball. I've been reading a lot of articles saying that he's, you know, major league ready, 23, maybe 24. I even read something that he could see the major leagues this year. What's he doing in high A ball in September of 2021 if he's ready for the major league potentially this year? And I wasn't really overly enamored by him, you know, physically. He didn't look overly big. He didn't look overly strong. You know, I don't know what the prospect and what the projections are for him. But I'm just a little concerned that the Yankees, uh, this could be the doom for uh, for Brian Cashman. Uh, you know, the farm system seems to be depleted, deteriorated in terms of what the talent has projected to be. They've obviously fallen short on that projected talent. I mean, you could have gotten a haul for all these guys five years ago. Now you can't even get a, you know, a box of Cracker Jacks for them. Hmm. So I'm concerned as a Yankee fan, but I, I don't want to jump off the bridge too soon. I, I, I just well, don't I, jump I off the to... bridge, Tony. You, you, we don't want you to jump off the bridge, but you have a right to be concerned. You have a right to question just whether they're evaluating their talent correctly and the pressure they're putting on this kid, Volpe, and thanks for the phone call. And you're also uh, correct in saying, yeah, we're not sure what the deal would have been with the, with the Yankees for the, for the money. I know what you're saying about the Yankee price, but – Gordon, when you consider that there really didn't seem to be a lot of people out there trying to sign Korea or, 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 or trying to Korea or trying to, you know, get his services that he would end up with Minnesota, I, I, I think I think the Yankees would have been right in the realm of what he's making. Yeah, look, uh, the the problem with the whole equation is, is apparently the Yankees never found out. Mm-hmm. Uh, to listen to Michael Kay, the Yankees were not in on. They had no, actually no interest. They can't say that, uh, according to the CBA, because that could affect his market. But the, they were not in on it. So they don't, they don't really know what the, they might have been able to do. Uh, I find it hard to it, – it certainly seems like Correa did not want to go to Minnesota, right? Mm-hmm. Like if you sign a three-year contract someplace and you have opt-outs every, after every single season <laughs> – you're renting, you're not buying. So mm-hmm. it doesn't really seem like he has really great interest in going to Minnesota. And I think the expectation is is that he'll be there for one year. And at least right now, a very good possibility he's a free agent again next year looking to capitalize on a big year in Minnesota. So, um, yeah, I mean, the fact that the Yankees really never found out, it's hard for me to believe as well that Correa is willing to basically take a one-year deal in Minnesota, but he would have been requesting a seven-year deal from the Yankees. That seems... That seems a little off. I don't think that that's the case. And and just in terms of the evaluation of their own prospects and their own players, uh, it's really hard to defend. I mean, the perfect example, last week they they gave away Luke Voigt. I mean, they just gave him away. What was the point of that? You're telling me that's not a guy – you can't have that guy as a potential bat on the bench where he can play a couple of times a week, DH a couple of times a week, first base a couple of times a week? You're just going to give him away for a single-A pitcher who will probably never hear his name again? It just doesn't seem like a great use of your resources. Not at all. Spike's in St. Pete. Hey, Spike. Hey, boys. Good to catch you. Gordon, it's magic like I told you Saturday. Just wait for that fourth quarter. I got to call up because I can't bet in Florida. 1250 on Atlanta for the fourth quarter. (laughs) <laughs> and send me the money. It's 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 ridiculous how easy it is, and 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 we kidded about it a little Saturday. I'm sure you remember the call. Yeah, it's uh, it, it's low hanging fruit, 
And and uh, Larry, I'll I'll mm-hmm. leave you with this real quick because I know it'll be baseball and and the, and the, and the uh, other stuff going on at eleven. Let me tell you something. Uh, Trey Young is a special player in terms mm-hmm. of scoring. The strategy at the beginning obviously was Burks and uh, and RJ to tire him out. Uh, Atlanta's missing Collins. I, I was uh, telling Jacob. Um, I watched a little of Milwaukee, and they got Brooke Lopez back. And don't don't discount that, my friends. That's a big piece for that team. That size and shooting. And I know Buddha's going to call later because I was in touch with him. Uh, I'm not as far out on the Sixers. I know we have a lot of fun going back and forth because, Larry, I told you this Sunday, I don't know what to make of the Nets. And if it winds up Toronto and the Nets, this mayor, if you heard him today again, he ain't lifting that band. There's nope. no way. Mm-mm. So so uh, it, it's almost deservedly, and not for Durant, but for Irving. And I respect his what he's choosing to do, but he, I wouldn't want to play with him, you know, <laughs> as a teammate. And, and if it winds up, which it looks like it will, it just may sort out uh, that it'll wind up uh, Toronto and, and the Nets, and he can't play in that series and they lose – there's going to be a lot of explaining to do down there uh, in Brooklyn, so we'll see how it works out. But I wasn't surprised with the Nick game at all. It's nope. just it's, it's automatic, Gordon. You you said it magically. You said wait for the fourth quarter and then bet the late two points or three points or whatever it is. Uh, they tried, but the talent's not there. And the last thing, they don't have a ball handler on the team. Nope. They don't have they don't. one guy who can handle the ball. And uh, it's it's sad, but it's what it is. And the uh, definition of outlier was Julius Randle, who absolutely got himself traded uh, by what he did uh, in the Sunday game against Gobert. Do you agree? If you can get something for him, Spike, thanks for the phone call. I don't know that you can – I don't know. What, what are you going to get for him? I, who would want him? Well, I mean, I'm sure, he does have, yeah, I'm sure he does have a market someplace. Uh, it's not going to be probably what Nick fans are wanting to get back. I could say draft that. Draft choices? Uh, I think you have to get some sort of talent back. I don't know yeah. what that would be. Mm-hmm. But I, I think know. that that's one I mean, thing that probably has to change. I mean, it, there's just so much up in the air with the it Knicks. Is. It, it is. is so. I mean, it, it really is a blank canvas. R.J. Barrett is the canvas, but yeah. <laughs> other than that, it's uh, completely blank. I, there, there's not one guy that I would say with a high degree of confidence that this guy will definitely be here and definitely be a part of the team next season. Yeah. And just one quick thing for RJ is I love his aggression, Gordon. I love him going to the basket. Uh, once again, missed six free throws tonight. That's a work in progress. But, Gordon, there's got to be times when you pass the ball and you got to get other people involved because when your jumper stopped going – now you need help from everybody else. They they changed how they defended you. They they closed down the paint, and now it's one and done. That you're turning the ball over. We're going the other way. You got to get people involved early, and then look for yours. So that's going to be the next maturation to his game. Yeah, uh, there wasn't a lot of help to be had though. <laughs> no, there wasn't. There wasn't. You know, but uh, you know, quickly showed something a little bit later mm-hmm. uh, in the fort. So, you know, but once again, that's how you learn. That's how you learn. Gordon, we'll find out who's staying alive. Day two, group two, region two. It's March Movie Mayhem now. All right, Larry. Yeah, I mean, a lot of uh, upsets in uh, region one last night. Probably the biggest one, to me anyway, 
was the fact that Forrest Gump knocked out Clubber Lang. <laughs> Far be it from me to point fingers. Wow. Wow. They say when you point fingers, three other ones point back at you. So I'm pointing the whole hand at the audience. What are you people doing? We give you these fun things to do, these fun contests, and you just ruin them. Ruin them. Burn them right to the ground, Larry. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. So Roy Hobbs, the number one seed, he moves on past uh, Roy McAvoy. Forrest Gump over Clubber. I mean... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Mr. Miyagi took out Daniel LaRusso. People do not like Daniel LaRusso. I can tell you that very much right now. Mr. Miyagi, 80-20 over Daniel LaRusso. And then Pedro Serrano, quit the closest vote we've had so far, he beat Shane Falco. Wow. The five Falco takes out. out the four. So there's your Elite Eight in that region. Uh, or No, that's the Sweet 16. Hobbs, Serrano, Miyagi, Gump are all in. So let's get to tonight's matchups. It is Region 2. He is the number one seed. He is an all-time great sports villain. Number one seed is... You got to admit, that's a hell of a drive. 450 yards, huh? Yeah, how do you finish again? Dead last? Oh, yeah, yeah. He had a good day, though. Thanks. Hey, pal, I'm having a beer. Hey, put that on my tab. Wow. Thanks. Thanks, Phil. You know, I know what you're doing right now, Mm. and I don't like it. So why don't you just shut your trap before I put my foot in it? Don't turn your back on me. Let's get one thing straight. This is Shooter's tour. I've worked hard my whole life, paid my dues, and now it's Shooter's turn. And Shooter's not about to let his reign at the top be spoiled by some freak sideshow clown. Did you just call me a freak? I get nervous listening to the, the long clips, Larry. I keep waiting for the... <laughs> never know. You never know. I'm, I'm waiting for the dump button to be needed. But that, of course, is Shooter McGavin. He will be going up against the number nine seed, who is... I love you! I love you! Joni loves Chachi! Yes, that, of course, is White Goodman from Dodgeball, the number nine seed. So that's the one matchup, McGavin versus White Goodman. Secondly is the number two seed, Larry. The number two seed in Region 2 is... Point game. Just play the game. Just play the game. I learned that from you. That, of course, Jesus Shuttleworth from He Got Game. He'll be going up against the number seven, Larry. Oh, a tough one here. Was that like your strong finish or something? That, of course, Worm from Rounders, Lester Worm Murphy, the number seven wow. seed. The number three, Rudiger! Oh, that would be Rudy. I talked over the whole thing, right? That just isn't fair. <laughs> I gave him the uh, Rudy. Gave him the kibosh a little bit. Yeah. Rudiger! Uh, in fairness, it's not a great clip. Uh, all right, moving on. <laughs> Number three seed will face off against. Hey, uh, what can a teen wolf do? I can smell what you're looking for. All right, there you go. That's Teen Wolf, of course. Uh, and then the final matchup in region number two, one of the all-time. If this happens after what happened last night, I'm going to be ticked. <laughs> the number four seed is. Look, you're in charge of my public relations, right? I want a whole new campaign started. I want something done publicly to bring this man out. 
I want something done to jar this man's pride. I want something done to get the people around him talking. All right? Yes, of course, out of the legendary Apollo Creed, he will be going up against the number 12, fresh off the big upset in round one. The number 12 is... My name ain't Chump, it's Billy Hoyle. <laughs> Billy Hoyle. Billy Hoyle. Billy Hoyle. Okay, Billy. Now, can you count Damn, to 10, Billy? Larry. Yeah. Good. What's the score, Billy? I don't know. Then you're a chump. I mean, be a chump. I just said that wasn't my name. Yeah, the ultimate con man, Billy Hoyle. I hope he doesn't sucker Apollo Creed in. But the voting, Larry, is open, and it is now up to the audience. At Hardest to ESPN, at ESPN NY 98 underscore 7 FM. You can also weigh in at ESPN and uh, ESPN NY 98 underscore 7 FM at Gordon Damon at Hardest to ESPN. So those are all your options. And uh, make sure you vote. And hopefully uh, vote with discretion. <laughs> yes. Use some common sense. You know, like who is a great villain or a great hero? Somebody you really hated or somebody you really loved. Yeah. It's not best movie. No, it's not best movie. And I got to break it to these people. Forrest Gump was not a good movie. I don't care if it won the Oscar, Larry. It's not a good movie. It's not the best movie. No. So keep that it, it, in mind exactly. as well. Let's go back to the folds. 1-800-919-3776. Ricky's in Far Rockaway. Hey, Ricky, you're next on 98.7. You guys hold a grudge, man. Forrest Gump is like 28 years ago or something. Um, either you guys hip-hop guys? A little bit, yeah. Talk to me. Give, where are we going? I think I think Hal Stellenbrenner's favorite hip-hop song is Paid in Full by Eric B. and Rakeem. Rakeem says to the soundboard guy, turn on the bass and let's just count our money. And that seems to be how Steinbrenner's attitude toward Yankee fans. I mean, he, he, we can get rid of the Cashman problem. All Hal Steinbrenner has to do is says thanks for the 20 years. I mean, uh, uh, Cashman, he could have traded uh, Gary for J.T. Remuto straight up after the 2018 season. That, to me, is alone is a fireable offense. Uh, you'd say they got nothing back for Voight. How about Velasquez and Allen? They brought him up last year, shortstop center, played a little D, a little speed situational baseball, made the season a bit more exciting. They leave those guys exposed in the draft before the lockout. Both get picked up. They protect the first baseman who was like kind of a home run or a whiff guy. They didn't get much of a chance. They protect him, and then he goes to Japan in three weeks. They, they don't even know what's going on under their own roof, the Yankees. I mean, my, my hope is that Gary and Frazier – uh, and Void all hit like 35 homies, and Al Steiner puts down his mint julep and finally fires Brian Cashman. Thanks, guys. All right, Ricky, thanks for the phone call. I mean, listen, I understand why your folks, Yankee folks, Yankee fans would be down on Cashman. I do. I understand it. I get it. But, Gordon, here's the question now. Um, who would who would you get as a GM? if, if Let's say, let's say this, because eventually it will happen. He's not going to be there forever. Well, look, if the Yankee job ever opened up, I would think that it would be a very appealing job. Uh, I know that when the Met job was opened last time, Billy Bean's name was mentioned. I would think that it's that kind of, of level of, you know, long-time resume. Maybe that's the type of thing that gets Theo Epstein back mm -hmm. uh, running a team. I, I don't know, but uh, there's a lot of... A lot needs to go wrong, because I'll be honest with you, even if the Yankees were to fail to make the playoffs, if they missed out by... Finish over 500, but not really in the race. I feel like the relation, it's almost like that Cashman's been there so long, he's like an honorary Stonbrenner. I, I don't know that he's going to 
necessarily be gone. I think it would have to really go south, and they would have to really finish way back before there was even talk of that. If they had a season, and once again, I'm not advocating for Cashman's job, but just for discussion, if they had a season where guys were healthy but didn't produce, and it's September, and Gordon, they're not even, even with the extra playoff spot, they're not even in a spot. I think there might be some consideration because of the fact that it's been, I don't have to tell you, 2009 was the last time you won. You've been eliminated by teams that don't, by Tampa, who doesn't have the salary you guys have. And eventually, um, you know, I think his luck is going to run out. It's This is and always will be a performance-based business. Now, and you mentioned Billy Bean. I think Billy Bean would probably after this would probably be the last person that a Yankee fan would want to see coming in as a GM as a guy who doesn't want to spend a lot of money. I mean, it might be Hal Steinbrenner's choice, but I don't know if it'll be Yankee fans' choice. If you know, with with the Billy, with, you know, Billy Ball and how he what he did in Oakland. But nevertheless, uh, you know, once again, I agree with you. But I do think that if if this team underperforms again without the Without the uh, safety net of injuries, oh, this one was hurt, that one was hurt. You can't do this, and because of that nature, I think I think the seat would get warmer than some people might presume. Maybe, uh, but I just know last year the players pretty much to a man did not perform up to expectation, and the the blame did not fall on Brian Cashman. The the blame fell on the players. Hal came out and said, you know, we have the players to do it. He's already said this year this is a championship-level team. I, I get the feeling that uh, it, the company line would be, well, the players just need to perform up to the expectations, and uh, even if they didn't do it for a second straight year, I think that that's where the blame would lie. You're right. I mean, if it really went south – uh, maybe that would force his hand. Uh, I'm of the belief of I got to see that before I believe it. Oh, no, I agree with you. I, I would have to see it to believe it too. But I do think, you know, goodwill runs out because yep. it's about it, it, it. Ultimately, it's about who's on the field, which translates into who's in the seats and how many people are in the seats. And if we continue to turn on Yankee games on yes and see blue behind home plate. <laughs> That's going, that's going to be an indication that things need to change because that's the bottom line. It's always but, about the money, Gordon. It's always about the money. I, I agree, but just remember last year, all the focus is what was on Aaron Boone, who has accomplished far less than Brian Cashman here, and they came out, no, Aaron Boone's not going anywhere. Mm-hmm. Aaron Boone's coming back. He's, he's not going anywhere, even after the season was last year. He's not, there was never any real doubt that he was coming back and that he was going to keep his job through last year and be back here again this year. So yeah. uh, I think it would have to really go sideways before they, they reevaluated things. I, I think that they're of one mind. I, I really do. I think that they are, on the, for, for better or worse, they're on the same page together. Yeah. They, it's not like there's a lot. It doesn't seem like there's a lot of disagreement. And the other thing, going back to the caller for a second, trading Sanchez for Rio Muto, not at, not in 2018. Sanchez was was great in 2017. You wouldn't have made that yeah. trade then. I, I think that fans sometimes get a little, like you have to trade him at the exact perfect moment <laughs> what his, his value is most. Now, the, the, the thing that he gets right is that there's been a couple of years now yes. where you, the, the, the thought has been you're going to stick with Sanchez. You, you're still mm-hmm. expecting him to bounce back. You're still – last year. You're still expecting him to to get back to the 2018 Gary Sant? Yeah. 
But uh, that obvi- another one where it feels like the team is almost telling you when they talk, hey, no, no, we, we, know, we know what we're doing. We, we, we know we better this. than you. Yeah, we, we got, got this. this. And they haven't had this. it. We're the Yankees. Mm-hmm. We know what we're doing. Augustine Damon until midnight. Then Freddie and Fitzsimmons will continue the conversation on 987 ESPN. Gordon, before we get back to the phones on Twitter, Jay Blaze NYC says, Uncle Love, without Randall, are we seeing what RJ's ceiling could be? At Gordon Damer, is the low-end PG-13, Bill Butler, or the high-end Middleton, Clay, Jalen Brown? For me, before he gets, before we even discuss the high-end, he's got to, his jumper's got to be a bit more consistent, mid-range and three before we get to the high-end. Um... I don't even. I can't even say he's with PG, you know, um, PG thirteen right now. Beal and Butler, I, I, I not yet. No the ceiling, I, maybe. I don't know that it's the ceiling either, though. Yeah, I mean, generally you get to the ceiling and it and it plateaus, right? I, I mm-hmm. still think that he's kind of he's still on the upward swing. Now maybe he's scraping up against the ceiling, mm-hmm. but I don't think that you really know that it's the ceiling until next year. Yeah. Uh, at Backer says, and that's all she wrote, puts the end to all the talk about playing. Knicks need to add much-needed pieces to the team. It starts with trading Randall, and Tibbs starts out on the hot seat as well. Uh, it's about adding much-needed pieces to the team, and and there's no question about that. It starts with getting a, a person that can handle the backcourt duties, uh, running the offense. There's just so, there's so much this team needs. There's just so much going. You need at least you need at least three or four players, uh, so that you push some of the bench guys a little further back. And Gordon, I, I gotta be honest with you, I'm good if Randall doesn't play anymore this year. I really want to see you know what what these other kids can do. I keep saying it over and over again. Everybody keeps saying it over and over again. I mean, I'm you know, I'm okay. I know what he can do. There's nothing to be we're not playing for anything now. Gordon, it's okay. Yeah. We can learn, you know, we could play some other folks. Let him get healthy. Don't no need to push him out there. And, you know, he's he's gonna make his money next year. I don't think there's incentive clauses in there. And uh, unless, you know, and he's gonna have to pay. I see he got fined another forty K or something like that for some rude language that he gave to an official. He's given up like hundred and thirty K in fines this year. Uh he's been an angry man. <laughs> angry man no question no question I, i'll just say about the front office well I, I hope that there's no way that they can do a, a worse job this offseason as they did this past offseason but i think one of the things they got caught in and to steal a line from from mr miyagi from march movie mayhem they, mm-hmm. they tried to be a little flexible right they tried yeah. to be they tried to be you know keep the flexibility but try to improve the talent and they really they got stuck in the middle and when yeah. you walk the middle, you get squashed, right? So mm-hmm. uh, I think that this year they can't make that same mistake. They got to they got to find pieces and they got to land pieces, and they have to they can't just keep that flexibility and be like, well, well, well something will something will pop up here down the road. Now we need something now. Uh, yeah. you, you tried to do the halfway thing, and half measures never work. So uh, this year they're going to have to be a little bit more definitive and and hopefully be a little bit more correct. Yeah, no question about it. And start earlier. You know, that's the other thing, Gordon. Start earlier so that you're not waiting till the last minute and trying to say, okay, what are we going to do? Well, plan A is gone. Plan B is gone. Let's go with plan Z. You know, that's the other issue because, you know, they started late. I mean, they knew they needed a point guard, Gordon. <laughs> Why did you wait till you're trying to play let's make a deal and buy out for Kemba Walker? 
Yeah, it's not I the mean, way to go. They, they knew they needed a point guard even before when they first when when Leon Rose first approached James Dolan about the job, he knew he needed a point guard. That was probably the first thing out of Dolan's mouth. Probably, yeah. I, would, I think it had to be very, very high up. And I'll say, if they don't find one here soon, it might be the next guy's job to find the next You're point right. guard. Because Absolutely right. It, it, this, was, this was not what anybody was hoping for. So things need to and, – and, and it's clear. It's, it's, it shouldn't be hard. And, and when you bring in the, the former agent, this will now be two off seasons that he has had a chance to, to use his connections to get somebody here. Mm-hmm. Let's go. Let's get somebody here already. Yeah. Well, you know, it's obvious. Uh, nobody wants to come here until it's until they're convinced that they're doing it right. And now they have subjected themselves where they're going to lose another. They've lost a year. And it's going to take them now probably another two years to make sure that you have a chance to get a disgruntled player here. So uh, it's going to be the draft, my friend. you got to try to do something with the draft. That's the only way that's going to work. It's the but, only way that's going to work. But here's the thing, and I agree with you. But I mean, then you're really talking about then you're talking about not having the right coach for this spot. Yeah. Like, can you imagine bringing in a rookie point guard to run this team and 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 the 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 process of getting that guy up? It's going to be another two three years before you really know whether or not you got the right guy. Mm-hmm. Considering where they're going to be picking, you brought in Leon Rose. To, to use the connections that he had in the league. And I get it. Nobody's going to come here until they're convinced. It's his job to convince them. That's right. You, you have to believe in him. Don't even believe on the players that you have on the team or even the coach of the team. He's got to be able to use what he has as the former agent to convince players in the league, you know what, you have to come here. We have to have you believe in me and that kind of thing. And uh, it, it didn't work this past offseason. Let's hope... Fingers crossed, buddy. <laughs> yeah, really. Fingers crossed this year. Um, haven't heard any Dame Lillard comments, have you? <laughs> no Dame no. Lillard rumors. <laughs> no, doesn't doesn't feel like that has happened. You know, not, not that we've Portland's had more than in, enough of them. In fairness, <laughs> n- not that Portland's in any better shape. <laughs> no, they're not. <laughs> they really aren't. This is ESPN New York tonight with Larry Hardesty and Gordon Damer on ninety-eight point seven ESPN.